Would you please pray with me? Now, O Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. And a happy Easter. I wonder what the biggest surprise you've ever experienced was. What is the thing that perhaps surprised you most in your life? Think back for a moment. What was it that really took you by surprise? Maybe someone threw a surprise birthday party for you. Maybe you got some surprise news that you weren't expecting. I remember for me, the biggest surprise of my life perhaps happened on Memorial Day weekend in 2005. And I was just driving my car across what was then the new Arthur Ravenel Bridge. I'd been away for the weekend to Chicago uh, with my good friend Trevor, who's actually preaching right over there right now. And uh, we decided we're going to go to Chicago for the weekend. I'd never been, and it happened to coincide with an England-USA soccer match. Of course, in those days, I read it for the English, but I've learned the error of my ways. (laughs) And, uh, and we, end, we ended up taking the Chicago Cubs game at historic Wrigley Field. It was a fantastic weekend. And my wife, of course, to show me up, she spent the weekend on quiet retreat, praying with the Lord. <laughs> and she took some time away, and she just went and prayed with the Lord. Well, I got back from the weekend. I guess it was the Monday of that weekend, Memorial Day weekend. And uh, I remember just driving across this bridge, and I was driving to meet Melissa. We were going to have some dinner at uh, what was T-Bones in Mount Pleasant back then. And I just had this sense that the Lord was speaking to me. And that doesn't happen that often where I'm just so clear it's the Lord. And he was just saying to me, telling me, you're going to have a, a child, a son, and his name's going to be Caleb. Oh, well, that's kind of odd. <laughs> doesn't happen every day. I didn't have any kids at the time. In fact, we were trying not to really because we thought we couldn't afford them as all parents do until they have kids, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so I kept driving across the bridge and eventually I got to T-Bone. So I'm thinking about this. And I walk into the restaurant, and Melissa's there, and she's, she's beaming. I go, that's odd. You know, she looks really happy. Obviously, pleased to see me, but she's really beaming. And she says, I've got some news for you. I said, oh, really? I said, okay. She said, I'm pregnant. <laughs> I said, really? Well, i got some news for you. <laughs> the Lord told me we're having a son, and his name's Caleb just five minutes ago. I said, what? Well, so, of course, nine months of pregnancy and so on. And uh, we get to the birth of our child, and it's at the old uh, East Cooper Hospital there. And out pops a girl. (laughs) What happened, Lord? I wasn't expecting that. You told me it was going to be a boy, a a son, and his name was going to be Caleb. Well, not wanting to inflict on her the name Caleb. (laughs) Decided to wait. And of course, in God's timing, we did have a son three years later. And he was a complete uh, surprise as well. And... uh, But he came out, and of course, we called him Caleb. God's timing is not always our timing. Often that surprises us, doesn't it? You know, our Easter story today is full of surprises. So let's turn to our resurrection account from the Gospel of Luke. You can find it on the insert inside your announcement sheet if you want to follow along. Luke chapter 24, and all kinds of surprises in here, because I think we worship the God who loves to surprise us. He surprises us over and over again. In our story, the first surprise we come across is uh, when we read this. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. Now, who is the they in that story? Who is it? Yeah, Mary. It's women, right? Surprise number one is that the first witnesses to the resurrection are women. Now, you might think, well, that's not that surprising, Jonathan. But actually, 
in a court of law at that time, women were not even allowed to testify as witnesses. They weren't allowed to be witnesses because their witness wasn't held as even worthwhile. It wasn't useful or valid. And so their witness was not something that could be upheld. And it actually lends credibility to Luke's account in this story. Note the disciples' response in verse 11. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. Typical men, right? And they did not believe them. They didn't believe the women because they weren't credible witnesses. So the question is, why would someone fabricate the resurrection story in this way, having women be the first witnesses? It makes no sense, right? Because they know that no one would believe it. It just adds credence to the resurrection, the story that we've just heard. And it also reminds us that God is always advancing the cause of women throughout Scripture. Some people would say that the God we worship is a misogynist. It's just not true. The God we worship loves and values women as equally as he loves and values men. And it's not just women. God is always advancing the cause of all kinds of people in Scripture. All the people who are the weak and the powerless, he advances their causes over and over again. Well, the second surprise we come to appears in verse 2. And they found the stones rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Jesus' body is missing. It wasn't what they were expecting, was it? They bought the spices. They were heading there to make sure they did the proper burial for him. And they were not expecting when they got there to discover that the, the stone had been rolled away. You see, a Roman guard, as we discover in Matthew's gospel, had been posted there to make sure that no one could steal the body because the Jewish authorities were worried that exactly that would happen. And then people would claim, well, look what's happened. So they posted a guard there. And yet they get there and the stone is completely gone. Jesus' body is missing. That's our second surprise. Well, the third surprise, it carries on. Verse 4, while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. The third surprise is that they are greeted by two men, and we discover they're actually angels if we look at the gospel account in John. John's account makes it clear they're not just men, but they are angels. And Matthew's account makes it clear that these are the ones who rolled away the stone. The guards saw them, they passed out, and then the, the, the angels rolled away the stone, and I'm guessing the guards just scarpered. They were worried that they would get in trouble because the body was gone. And so the guards got out of there. Well, clearly the women are surprised and frightened. Verse 5, and as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground. They were, they were clearly scared. But it seems the angels are a little surprised to see them there themselves. Because look at what they say. They say, well, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. These men are surprised to see them because they said, Jesus told you. He told you he was going to do this. He's just doing what he said he did. Did he ever let you down with saying something and then not doing it? No, Jesus doesn't do that. Over and over again, they should have known if they'd listened, but then they remember. They remember he did say that. Of course, Well, the fourth surprise is this, and this is perhaps the biggest one. Jesus, of course, has risen from the dead. It's not that his body's been stolen and moved by someone. He has, in fact, risen from the dead. And now after three days, as he said he would, as prophesied, he has come back to life. He is alive now. God has shown that he has power over sin and death. 
And this is surprising news to many people. But again, it's a good surprise. The good news is that even if you struggle and wrestle with the guilt of a sin that perhaps is something you've wrestled and struggled with for years and years and years, God can forgive you of that sin because of what Jesus has achieved through the cross and the resurrection. It doesn't matter what it is. He will forgive you if you turn to him and repent. But not only that, this good news is that there is life beyond this life here on this earth. You know, the thing that the world fears the most, death, is not something that Christians have to fear because we know that we will go to a distant shore one day where we will encounter the living God and he will say, come on in, friend, come on in, friend. And we will walk with him in the new heaven and the new earth, the perfect place, the place with no more suffering, no more tears, no more pain, friends. And that is good news, good news that we can be assured of because of this surprise that Jesus has risen from the dead, that not even the grave could hold him. You see, Jesus not only understands our suffering, but he suffers for our good. He dies on the cross so that he can rise again. In his suffering, he brings about our redemption. He brings about our restoration before God himself. Well, the fifth and final surprise is that the resurrection is for all people. And this doesn't really come from our gospel reading per se. It comes from our reading from Acts chapter 10. Turn back over to the reading there. And Peter is standing up and preaching. And he says this, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. How much partiality does God show? None. The gospel is for all people. doesn't matter where you live, where you were born, how much you earn. doesn't matter at all. doesn't matter who you are in this world. The gospel is for you. The good news that Jesus had is for every person. He goes on, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Notice the order. Anyone who fears him, that means someone who comes to him and asks him to be their Lord, and then does what is right, and then loves him in response, not who does what's right so they can earn their salvation, but someone who chooses to follow him and accept him as Lord and Savior, and then loves him in response. Anyone can be saved and is acceptable to him. You see, God shows no partiality. Anyone who puts their trust in him will be forgiven of their sins and will be made right with him. This is good news doesn't matter whether you struggle with the sin of greed, lust, adultery, addiction, selfishness, anger, apathy, etc., etc., you name it. He is the God who offers healing mentally, physically, and spiritually to all people, to everyone, without partiality. Well, friends, the good news of the resurrection is full of surprises. Yes, there is life after death. Yes, anyone can be forgiven. Anyone can receive a new heart. Anyone can experience eternal life. There is so much more to life than the pursuit of money or sex or power. And the emptiness that you sometimes feel, even when you achieve any of those things, that emptiness can be filled by knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. He has set eternity in our hearts and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in him. The resurrection confirms all that the Bible reveals to us. The God of the universe made you and me in his image. 
He loves you and he wants you to know him and to love him. He made a way for the sin that separates you from him to be paid for, that you might be forgiven. And at great personal cost, he sent his son to die for you and me. And then Jesus defeated death at Easter by rising again from the grave. And he's gone up to heaven to be with his father once again. And one day he will come back to bring all those who know him, to bring them to the new heaven and the new earth with him. We see that in our reading from Isaiah 51 today. So the question is, will you turn to him? And will you follow him? Or will you turn your back on him? You see, our choice has consequences. And there will be some more surprises when Jesus returns to usher in the new heaven and the new earth. Jesus himself says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You know, it's one thing to call him Lord, but it's another thing to live with him in charge of your life. What is it Peter says? But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You see, when we choose to follow Jesus as Lord, it leads to a radically different way of life, a radically different way of thinking, a way of life that is what he would call life to the full, life in all its fullness. And it's one that will lead you perhaps to the best surprise of all this Easter. It is a life filled with the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, a joy that can never be taken away from you. Friends, this Easter, choose life. Choose Jesus and follow him. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come. Come move in our hearts. Lord, we pray that you would lead us to you. And Lord, we pray that for any of us today who have not chosen to follow you, might we accept uh, that call to follow you today. Might we start afresh and accept the new heart that you give us as we repent of our sin, as we choose to live our lives loving you and loving our neighbors well, to put you above all things in our life. Come, Holy Spirit, enable us and empower us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.